You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny, and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Right now, I hope you are sipping on some fizzy housewives-inspired wine for yourself, packing a punch at 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It is my no-filter wine. I like to call it my housewives watching wine because it's what I drink when I'm watching housewives, when I'm yelling at the TV screen, when I'm like, what is Sutton doing? Teresa, flip another table. I am sipping on some no-filter wine available at nofilterwine.com. Must be 21 or older to order and make sure you sip responsibly. I'm telling you, it's 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar, so you will be getting Liddy City this summer. But you won't have to worry about that gnarly wine headache. Not only that, but we just launched our No Filter Wine subscriptions. So instead of having to order, you can just make sure it's on rotation and subscribe and save 15% at nofilterwine.com. And I'm excited to announce that even though there's some bitches talking shit about my wine on Twitter right now, we are expanding and we are now available nationwide in 49, I just found out it wasn't all 50. Utah has passed a law about alcohol shipping, but there's still being some little bitches. So you can get no filter wine in every single state except for Utah currently, but I'm pretty sure we will be expanding soon. I know we want to go to Canada and Sweden and Australia. I know all the places you guys are DMing me. We're going to make it happen. If we've made it this far, we're more than a year into No Filter Wine. We're only going to continue to grow from here. So please continue to keep supporting at NoFilterWine.com. Today's guest, oh my God, you are in for a real treat. You love when we collab and we're back at it again. Please welcome the host of the Unpopular Podcast, the one, the only, Mr. Jacques Peterson. Hey, thanks for having me back. I have to say really quickly, you need to send me some of that wine because I actually just got a Yolanda fridge in my new house. Like I have this really fancy fridge yes. and it kind of looks like the display at like a convenience store. Like if I knock on the fridge, a light goes on and you can see inside it and there's a display to put drinks. So I need some no filter wine to like Listen. put in there. I know people are learning how to sneak it in. I like there was a woman in Sweden. She's like, I snuck. People have snuck it into their countries without us having to directly sell that. From what I've heard, I'm not confirming anything. I don't want to get in trouble with the, with <laughs> any alcohol shipping people. But um, listen, if there's a way we can get some to you, Jacques, I know people have found very creative ways to get some no filter wine to them in other countries. I'm down because like, listen, I'm ready to show that today I have out. I'm disengaging. I'm not going out tonight. I'm disengaging, which I'm going to actually open so people can see that I'm really drinking this tonight. I'm putting it on some ice because this just came in for my shipment of no filter wine on my subscription. Because, yes, I subscribe to my own wine. I'm Bethany Franco, but I get high on my own supply and I buy it myself just as much as I drink it myself. I'm doing the disengaging because I'm disengaging from all the bitches on Twitter, Jacques. I know you know a little, a little thing or two about that. I feel like I went from being the number one target of Housewives Twitter to you. Like I passed the baton <laughs> Thank over you. to you. and. I uh, I think that it's really because I have most of them either have me blocked or I have blocked them. Like I really don't have time for it anymore. As soon as I get these nasty tweets, I just block. And they really have kind of left me alone because the thing, okay, 
The thing you have to know about this Housewives Twitter and these delusional trolls on there, it is a certain group of, there's like a few dozen of them, but they're the most like toxic ones that they get it started. They really lead the charge. So I think I have most of them blocked or they've gone and blocked me now because of all my, you know, problematic tweets over the years. But now without me to attack, they're clearly coming after you. And uh, I feel for you because it's it's not fun. Can we talk about... What it even like, what is a toxic or problematic tweet? Because let me tell let me tell you what my toxic and problematic tweets have been lately. Dubai is boring. They came Facts. for me, Shock. They came for me. They were like, you don't even know. You're racist because you just don't like seeing wealthy black women on television. I was like, what? I literally was just trying to catch up and binge Real Houses of Dubai because I had it on my DVR and I was trying to watch it. And I'm like, I don't get the hype. I don't think it's that it good. Well, there's no hype anymore. There's no hype anymore because Bravo TV on their official Instagram page, the other day they posted... um. Hey, this weekend you can binge like the whole, um, all of Dubai in like six hours. What are you waiting for? All of the comments were like, I tried. It's boring. I gave up in episode two. And it's like, they've come a long way since the premiere because when it premiered, people were like, I've never seen a better Housewives premiere in my life. I had chills watching this. It was incredible. And like, that was just them in their delusional, like Bravo hype. Like they wanted to love it so bad that they brainwashed themselves into it. And now you're like four, five, six episodes in people like, this is like unwatchable. Like this is just crap. I wanted to love it so bad. I was excited. I was excited. Oh, because then it was it was the whole thing about like, oh, well, I'm just being discriminatory against Dubai. I was like, I fucking been to Dubai. I like Dubai. I think the show, though, is boring. I had one person that like tagged all the women in the t- screenshotted the tweet and then tagged all the women. I was like, if he ever tries to have you guys on his podcast, just know that this is what he thinks. Like and literally daily, Jacques, daily, I have new threads popping up about me they don't even tag me anymore they just like take screenshots of my tweets or of my pictures or whatever and then they just start a thread about me and the only way I know about it is because then people tag me in it or they'll screenshot it and send me dms and they're like come for them or whatever it is or like do you know that they're saying this about you know it's like I didn't know that but I mean it's so outlandish from like okay there's like the being called racist um I look like Tabitha Coffee. I look like I have a a wig I have a lace front wig on my hairline is risky seating um uh, what did i tweet recently that i think kyle is the queen of beverly hills which let's be honest kyle is the queen of Be- like there she's the only longest lasting og from day one kyle is the queen of beverly hills period end of story like that's just what it is i was like people can deny that or i was like listen i know everyone hates rinna and erica as villains of the show but like they're the reason we keep talking about the show and like they push these storylines forward like they do their like every show needs a good villain they know that they're the villains and they lean into that twitter annihilates me i literally but it's so outlandish to the point where like today i i I know it's not healthy i know it's not healthy that i go on these benders and i just like love to consume and read all the negative things people have to say about me and there are plenty i'm like a monster i have no soul i have monster teeth like all of it but today, the funniest one was that this one 
person tweet and they're like, oh, I know about him. He was trying to get my friend to have sex with him on his OnlyFans account because he told my friend that if he slept with him on his OnlyFans, it would gain exposure for his OnlyFans account. And I'm like, what? I'm like, first of all, if I knew that I had that much clout and power to have to bring exposure on an OnlyFans account, I'm going to start my own fucking OnlyFans account. I'm not going to go on some other bitch's OnlyFans account if I really thought I had that much exposure to offer the platform that's what they do they make stuff they make up things that never even happened like it's 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 fucking insane it's insane and the hard part is then i come to you and i'm like sending you voice notes or jess or adam and i'm like you guys i'm spiraling and everybody's like like jess today she literally was like zach you're not that important stop reading this stuff on the internet and i'm like you're right i know i know better than to go down the rabbit hole but it's like when you know like it's just when you get tagged in it and you get screenshotted sent to you like it's just it's very easy to go down the spiral there's two levels to it by the way yes i had people make things up about me i what you're going through now i went through during uh garcelle's was it her first or no her second season and because i came out as not a garcelle fan and i took kyle's side and i was like it was so vicious people i remember what i got really upset for a while like and this was at the height of you know like the blm protests and stuff so the height of all the tensions and people were going saying um oh jacques tweeted that the reason he doesn't like garcelle is because she's black and it's like what the fuck and then like those tweets are getting like likes and retweets people are dming me those tweets going is this true it's like of course that's not fucking true like are you insane but it's like some anonymous like account is saying this stuff and then it gets to a point where you you just have to like not because you you know who you are like deep down yeah. and you kind of have to not care about it this and there's two levels to it okay so one is it's actually good if people are talking about you and trolling about you and you're like getting a reaction out of people because you're doing something right like if you can get people that engage because of course you and I we both get a lot of support as well yes we yes. get these like vicious disgusting trolls but we get a lot of love and a lot of support from our listeners too. So it's good to polarize people like that. And then just natural from being yourself, by the way, because then people will say, I yeah. get this a lot still is, um, oh, he's just faking his unpopular opinion for like clout or whatever. And it's like, first of all, I actually, if I'd been like playing the game more, I'd be like much more successful than I am now. So this doesn't make me like more popular. Secondly, I have more going on in my life than to, there's no conspiracy of like, I'm coming up with fake opinions or whatever. Like my life doesn't revolve around the real housewives. It would never cross my mind to like come up with some like plan of like, I'm going to say this about the housewives, but they are so gross that you do have to kind of just block and not read it and like know who you are. You can't really go through you you can't sit there reading about yourself because because you really you aren't that, that important. Yeah, yeah, and even if you think that it's not having an effect on you, it can like subconsciously on your psyche. Like you might think of you know you're laughing no. at it, it's so ridiculous, but you just when it it's that much you. negativity all the time, you don't want to invite that in your life. No, I remember somebody, and this was such a stupid comment, but they I had a, I did a wine promo where I was holding a can of wine up on my Twitter, and people were like, "Oh my god, look at his nails, they look so dusty." And then I was like so hyper cautious of what my nails look like, and then I had to stop myself and be like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Like, th- I know it's not true, and I know that that's that's not a real thing. It just, you get caught up in these moments, but it's like, if anything, look, 
the podcast numbers continue to grow. The Twitter numbers continue to grow. The wine sales are popping off. Like it's providing a lot more exposure. I don't love that there's like one bitch right now that's like give him one star reviews on his podcast. Like that's mean. That's like. That's vile. That's mean and that's vile. Like you would think that I wasn't tweeting an opinion about housewives. You would think I murdered their family. You would think I set their house on fire with some of the visceral hate that they send my way. Um, But I also have to remember like nobody's talking about them and they're dead dedicating Twitter threads to me. Um, well, no, the other thing is as well, first of all, these are like the woke people that are like preaching kindness and everything. And they're the most vicious, disgusting, like they'll make up, they'll say like, they'll say the most offensive things. I mean, you told me that you, you had people in your DM woke people calling you like racial ching slurs chong. Yeah. They were like, shut yeah. up, ching chong. I'm like, I'm not even fucking Asian, bitch. <laughs> I'll I get, show um, you my 23 and me. Yeah, I always get like, you know, white faggot and stuff like that. So first of all, they're the woke people and they're the, they say way more disgusting things yeah. than, you know, like the Kelly Dodd fans Love say. And everyone. then secondly, they're the same people that do like the hashtag like Beverly Hills mean girls. And they think that every <laughs> minor interaction well, on the Housewives of Beverly Hills is like nasty bullying and their behavior is 10 times worse than anything on Beverly Hills. So it's crazy. Vile. But I've also realized that like people like this, they need what it is, is they're trying to attach themselves to an identity. They need a purpose and they need to feel important. So when they're trying to take down the mean girls or they're trying to take down the racists on Twitter, to me, it's so unfortunate because it's like in 2020, that was the worst thing that you could be called was a racist. Today, Mm. it's such a joke. And to me, that breaks my heart that being called a racist to people is such a joke because I even had to stop and look at that over these past couple of days. I mean, like, okay, they're calling me a racist. Why? Because I like Kyle and Kyle happens to be a white woman and I don't what say Garcelle is the queen of Beverly Hills so that automatically makes me racist or I said Dubai was boring and you're saying that it it has to do with like classism and you know racism and but in my head I'm like okay I get it like some people need to feel this attachment to some sort of cause or purpose and so they need to try to tear other people down to make themselves feel important or to feel you know some something you know what I mean like it has nothing to do with me I know who I am at the end of the day the people that know me and love me know like and I've had you know friends that I've tried to vent to over these past couple of weeks and they're like stop reading that like you know that that's not who you are you know that that's not what it is like you're literally allowing yourself to go down this spiral of negative toxicity for what and I'm like you're right like I know who I am at the end of the day and I know these things that they're saying about me aren't true and even like I just need to tune it out and I've had to like put a block on Twitter and limit myself to only being allowed to Twitter for 15 times a day. And even Adam was like, that's too much time. You need to limit it to three, three minutes a day, because once you get fired up, you'll pop off. Well, a lot of these, so these progressive people over the last few years, they actually had a really great window to be able to raise kind of awareness around all these issues around inequality and stuff. And instead they kind of blew their load on like calling people racist for not liking the housewives of Dubai. So there's sort of a cultural shift now, I think a huge pushback again uh, against like political correctness and, and wokeness, whatever you want to label it. And it's really because (laughs) the woke crowd, like they just overdid it. You guys went too fucking far. Like you could have, you could have been fighting for all these great causes. And instead so many of you wanted to waste your time just calling everyone racist or transphobic on Twitter. And, you know, people played along with it for a little while because we were scared. We didn't want that label thrown at us. And now because we, it was actually important because we knew the weight of it. 
you know, we knew the weight yeah. of what an accusation like that meant. And that's the unfortunate part is it's like now, whereas before I would say a year, maybe two years ago, if somebody called me racist, I would actually be like, holy shit, let me check my behavior. Let me do an internal check and see if there really is some sort of internal bias. Let me see if there's something that I wasn't aware of that I'm now willing to become aware of so that I can make sure I'm not that problematic person. And now if somebody calls me that, I know it's just a cheap shot. And to me, that's the most unfortunate part is that it's become such a cheap shot that it dilutes the whole argument overall. You know what I mean? I was, when I started my podcast, I was a little more mindful of, I did have some controversial people on a couple of people that I had on. I was, I felt pressure to ask them certain questions about like maybe like problematic things that they had done or I'd tossed up like, oh, you know, I would like to have this person on, but I don't know if it's like appropriate. So like I shouldn't. And then it was like, even when I honestly, when I was trying to be careful, I still got hated. I still got called this. I still got called that. Now I don't give a fuck. I mean, I DM'd <laughs> Jenny fucking new in the other week and said, come on the pod. I want to get your reaction to Jen Shah. Like I don't, okay, <laughs> I don't can we talk fuck anymore. I'll have anyone on now. Can we talk about the Jen Shah of it all? Okay. Because Jen Shah was just found guilty or not even found guilty admitted and owned her guilt. It wasn't like an Amber Heard situation where in court she was embarrassed at how, you know, wrong she was. She literally pled guilty. She changed her plea at the very last minute, had Heather Gay and Meredith Marks by her side in New York filming with her. And Meredith is like, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. And then all of a sudden, Jen Shaw's like, I'm guilty, bitch, guilty as charged. Boom, period. And so, so many people have still stuck by and are supporting Jen Shaw and Bravo has continued to continue to film with Jen Shaw. I know you had an issue with it um, because we've had people like, you know, Max Boyens, Brett, Stassi, Kristen, um, Jax that have been let go for problematic behaviors, problematic tweets, whatever it is, you know, They've actually they've had actions that were unfavorable and Bravo acted immediately to fire them. Jen Shah has admitted guilt. These aren't tweets from 10 years that have resurfaced. These aren't old Facebook posts. Um, there's no immediate action other than let's get the cameras and let's keep them rolling. Now, I understand people are upset with Erica Jane because they believe that she had some sort of culpability with her husband's business. Nothing has, there have been no criminal charges. Nothing has actually been proven yet. There are a lot of, of civil lawsuits, but civil law, anybody can claim anything in a civil lawsuit without it being proven. So far from what we've seen that has been proven, it's all been mispracticing by the lawyers and the attorneys and the employees of Girardi Key which Erica never was employed by. Um, yet Jen Shah has literally admitted. So let's go over everything that Jen Shah has done. So the the feds have now played, med their, uh, have now uh, shown their cards and they've given us the whole breakdown of what is actually, of what she was actually doing. She was not only running this telemarketing scheme where she was p finding people, finding um, leads or uh, she had an algorithm that was tracking people's behaviors and demographics and then pulling those demographics and selling them to different companies. And we now know that she was preying on people that were 55 and older, which the government classifies as elderly. I know a lot of people in their 50s and 60s like to get mad at me and they're like, I'm not elderly. I just got a new hip and I feel younger than ever. I'm like, I get it. But this is this is what the government classifies as a more vulnerable crowd, because even if you're feeling young and hip and I know a lot of people are, 
there are people in that age bracket that are more vulnerable um, because they are retired or whatever the case may be. She was targeting these people because they were seemingly more vulnerable. And then she would sell them fake business opportunities such as get rich quick, invest your retirement, whatever those actual opportunities were, they were targeting them. And at first we just thought she was the one pulling the leads, selling them to other companies, and then she would make a commission off of whatever sales went through. We now know, the feds have now revealed that she had an actual sales floor in Manhattan that proves that she oversaw the actual sales of these fake business opportunities. She had a whole office in Manhattan that she oversaw. So she was not just the the buffer, but she was also the middleman that was making not personally making the phone calls, but she was overseeing those phone calls. We know that when the FTC started to crack down on her back in 2017, that she was then, um, when she found out that they were tracking her and, and, and investigating her for improper business practices or being deceptive in some of her marketing, that she moved her communication over from a traditional text messaging app to an encrypted messaging app. We know that all of her companies, you know, when one of them would get shut down, she would open up a new one and all these companies were being filed in Wyoming. She wasn't putting her actual name on the bank accounts. She had a, um, she had a, she was transferring money overseas to Southeast Europe where she was making sure the money like she was the money laundering looks very apparent with the number of seemingly shell companies that she was opening up the way that she was operating that business she was moving money around she was shuffling things which make it seem like she was very much aware of what was going on and how improper these business practices actually were which is so wild now that we actually see the case against her this is before Stuart Smith even got an opportunity to testify against her this is just with what they found on her um it's wild. And she pled guilty. And there's still so many people that are like, but she's likable. I have so many takes on this. Firstly, it wasn't just the elderly. Yes, she was scamming the orphans and widows. Because as you pointed out, oh, yes. people that are yes. 55 and up, many would naturally be orphans and widows. So she scammed orphans and widows. That's one. The other thing people leave out, it was also... Uh, she targeted other vulnerable groups. So it wasn't just elderly. It was also like intellectually kind of disabled and impaired. Like whoever the most vulnerable... Uh, populations were in our society that would be vulnerable to a uh, scam like this. She went after. I okay. Where do I even begin? Because I have so many thoughts on this. So, firstly, she's wasn't. She's not likable. She's probably the least likable housewife I've ever seen. I've seen every single episode of every single franchise, with the exception of Dubai, because it's awful. <laughs> um, so she was not likable. I don't understand how. I don't understand how anybody perceived her as likable ever. She was so thirsty. She was so fake. Anytime. Uh, I mean, she started all of her drama with everyone and then she would say that it was because of the color of her skin, which Carlos King pointed this out on his podcast. He was like, I cannot believe this bitch came out here and said she was being racially profiled by the police in this day and age. And then she's played not guilty. Even by the, like, not even by the police, by the feds. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, so she would, she would pull the race kind of stuff. She would call, called Heather Gay, like Shrek, like body shame to about how ugly the other cast members are. Like she was so despicable. And when, okay, I don't think people 
because people are so fucking stupid to like buy the Jen Shah thing when she was acting nice during her second season. That was like, that's another con. That's her trying to control her image to come off good to you. So that actually makes her more unlikable that she was like fake acting nice. But then of course, because she is such a fucking psychopath, she can't keep it up all the time. So then the real Jen Shah, like, pops out she was doing that charity work on the show which that charity work is just so when she goes to fucking trial or whatever it is she can say well i've been doing charity work and i've been doing this and i've been going to therapy to try and get the sentence down so that's all a fucking con that's part of the con she conned her own mother yeah. um getting her mother to like mortgage her fucking savings or retirement or whatever so jen shah could pay for her super expensive legal defense while swanning around in you know fucking gucci from head to toe so she's so revolting. So this mental gymnastics people are doing of like, well, the reason that we like Jen more than Erica is like Jen's nice and she showed remorse. Erica isn't charged with anything. There's Jen civil Shaw Jen- has not acknowledged the victims. Can we say that? <laughs> Jen yes. Shaw has not acknowledged the victims. She's never once said, I'm sorry. She's never once owned it. She apologized for being guilty to the judge in court, but she's never issued a statement. Acknowledge- Everyone wants to say Erica didn't acknowledge the victims. Jen Shaw's fucking diamond earrings that she's wearing right now, she ain't giving those up. She's not saying, I'm sorry that I actually actually did these things in Erica's case Tom her husband was doing these things and whether she knew or didn't know is beside the fact that Tom was the one doing those things Jen Shaw has admitted in federal court that she did this apparently the way that it works with housewives twitter is that if you commit the crime, it's fine. But if you're somehow like adjacent to the crime or loosely connected, like you're the one that they hate, like nothing makes zero fucking sense. Why aren't at they all. mad at Heather Gay? Heather Gay literally went on Watch What Happens Live and admitted to knowing that Jen Shaw's business business practices were unsavory. Obviously, if Jen was able to explain it to Heather and Heather, her takeaway was that this was an unsavory business, that lets you know that. There's something shady going on here. We know it, and more is going to come out. And she's so disgusting. My so the the whole mental gymnastics of this that people are trying to do to justify it. It's the thing. Okay, here is how this works logically. Okay, you can hate Erica Jane. I'm not saying you've got to like Erica Jane, right. but if you hate Erica Jane, you've got to hate Jen Shard. That that is consistent logically. If you hate them both fine if you like jen shah but you hate erica jane and you're trying to like justify the reason you're you're a fucking idiot my other thing with this as well is do i want to see jen do i want to see them filming jen shah and like watch the trial and have it on the show of course i do but if we're going to be consistent you cannot be going and firing all these bravo celebrities for you know racist tweets or problematic behavior which is that is that like is that horrible behavior? Do we condone racism? Of course not. Is no, it illegal? Yeah. No. Is it is tweeting you know a, a slur ten years ago on Twitter illegal? No, it is not. So to do a cleaning house of firing all these fucking people. I mean, how fast did they fire Jenny Newen's ass? But Jenny Newen, um, you know, I've gone into the whole Jenny Newen thing before, um, and and dug into that. She was reposting very offensive sort of racist memes on Facebook during, I mean, look, these memes, and I don't want people like wording this around that I like, you know, endorse her memes or I agree with the memes. I absolutely don't. But also the memes were not, those memes weren't 
like pulled down on Facebook. Like if you wrote, say, like the N word on Facebook, it would be removed yeah, from Facebook. You know what I mean? Because that that would violate. In, the- and in 2020, Facebook was removing posts left and right. The second oh, yeah, pe- they- the second people were reporting them, those posts were coming down. Yeah, I mean, you said something about masks. They're pulling the posts down. So they definitely were doing, you know, taking, they were managing Facebook. So she was reposting memes that were able to sit on her page. So, yes, they were offensive and in poor taste and everything. But to have her fired for that, I'm not saying you've got to keep Jenny, but you can't fire Jenny but then keep Jen Shah. So it's like fire them all or keep them all, but you don't yeah. get to pick and choose and go, we're going to fire all the people that had, you know, a racist tweet or like said something on a podcast that we didn't like, but then we're going to film the criminal and like extend filming and like get the camera crew. And like, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like this have is a standard, such bullshit. Yeah. have a standard code of conduct and stick to it. If problematic social media posts are bad, I think preying on vulnerable, innocent people and taking advantage of them and and draining their retirement i think that's equally as bad it's also criminally well it's wrong. it's worse because it's a criminal it's offense an actual you know like criminal <laughs> offense and and again this isn't local court here in downtown la this is a federal case like the feds have been investigating this woman for years and not only that she conned everybody like not well, just the people is, she took advantage of, but the people that she's lied to up until the point where she admitted guilt. This is what a lot of this sort of woke culture has done to people's brains, though, that they they see this in front of them. Say Max Boyens is a good example, or like, I don't know, like Stasi. Remember, Stasi got in a lot of trouble for when she said when they did the Oscars so white thing yeah. and she was like, well, why are they only making it? Why are they talking, you know, about yeah. um, like Asians and other minorities? And like, she's pretty ignorant. She got backlash for it, but people in their minds think stuff like making ignorant statements or offensive memes or whatever. They don't like, they think that's as that they think that's worse actually than committing crimes of like, imagine if that was your grandmother that Jen Shah conned like i've had people messaging me going don't compare like don't compare uh jenny newen and jen shah like what jenny did was much worse and i'm like actually no it's not like yes her memes were like disgusting and they were horrible and i don't agree with the memes but right. like imagine jen shah scammed your fucking grandmother or your disabled relative out of their out of their fucking like retirement fund or their life life savings and maybe that money was when she died that money was going to go to the grandkids and that was like general generational yeah. wealth that they had built up yeah. like there's no you- there's no excusing or defending Jenny or any of the problematic behavior by any of the prior Bravo lebs or people that were hired by Bravo. There's no defending them, but it's about holding people accountable to a standard that we still don't even know Bravo has at this point. Well, that makes no sense because, again, if you you look at who's been fired and who's been kept on the shows, it's like, um, wait, what? And even Andy Cohen's response to the Jen Shah thing. So he, the first response that he had initially, he was like, oh, well, you know, Jen Shah was so nice. She bought my baby a gift. Like, wow. Um, And then he got backlash for that. People like, are you fucking joking? And then he came back on the air like the next day and he was like, look, I'm disgusted by what she did. You know, I needed to process it. Uh, uh, you know, I was giving her the benefit of the. By the way, I don't Even know how then, anyone gave her the benefit of the doubt. Anyone? 
My thing is, it's like, how do you even need to process the fact that she pled guilty? Like, that's (laughs) not even, it's not even here. Okay, I can understand needing to process Amber Heard being found wrong for defamation. You know, I can understand because that was a jury's decision. And Amber Heard to this day maintains her innocence. You know, she maintains that she was not trying to defame Johnny Depp. I get that because Amber Heard is very much still you know, where she stands on on all of this, you know, and it's a complicated situation. However, Jen Shaw has admitted to her own guilt and people are like, well, it's good that she's taking accountability for her actions. She's not. She's not. She never took accountability for it. She was trying to ride till the end to go innocent when I guess she realized at the last minute, wow, I'm going to go to jail. If I don't do this, I'm probably going to go to fucking jail for like 20 years. So... I better just admit this, but prison, for Jacques, Andy's prison, knee- federal prison, not jail, federal <laughs> prison. Andy's knee jerk reaction to Jen Shah was, oh, she bought my baby a present. Oh, I think she's nice. The reaction to when Jenny Nguyen's post came out was instantly, uh, I think Andy condemned them. Bravo, I remember, put out a statement. The morning going, we, do of- not, we do not support these statements. Like, you know, we stand with the community. I think even when, Tiffany Moon had her situation. They put out a statement going, we do, we stand by the Asian community. We do not condone what uh, Court Westcott is doing, et cetera. So why is there statements out for that? But there's not a statement out of like, oh, we don't, we don't support what Jen Shah did, scamming grannies and the disabled. There's no statement. No, <laughs> there's no statement from Bravo. There's no real statement from Andy because it had to take him like a good 48 hours to process everything. But not only that, I made not a serious tweet, but kind of joking, but also calling out the double standard of saying, why aren't we calling out Coach Shaw? Because now we know his wife is a proven criminal. Um, And why aren't we, he technically, his lifestyle was benefited off of the crimes that his wife committed. She made more money than he did. They had a very lavish lifestyle. Not only that, they didn't own any property. They didn't own any assets. And that was intentional because they were renting everything because because they wanted to make sure they didn't have any assets should the roof ever cave in at some point. And listen, Erica, what her attorney is always saying that, you know, she never graduated college. Coach Shaw is an actual attorney. He has some knowledge about how the law actually works in all of this sense. But when I tweeted that, people got really upset and they're like, you just want to see a black man fall. I'm like, no, I just want to see the same standard of people holding people accountable. They did it to me. I pointed that out. I was called a racist. <laughs> Someone messaged me and they went, see, this is why people DM you calling you a racist. I'm like, I'm just trying to keep this consistent. Okay. Yeah. If we're going to like, let's come That's up really to Coach Sharp and if the way that you guys came up to Erica. Also, as you pointed out, yes, he's a lot more educated than Erica was. And why doesn't he, okay, obviously he's going to think to himself, if we have this much money, why don't we own a house? Like, yeah. <laughs> why don't we like, Hello, I'm thinking of you looking at logic. Why is your, to- yeah, why is all the merch in your closet worth more than the house that you're yeah, renting? Our, our real estate portfolio, yeah. your closet is worth more than that. And also, Coach Shah and Jen Shah, to me, they had more of a tight knit marriage together. I think what we see with Erica and Tom is that it was what are like a 50, 40 year age gap, and that she was off touring and being a pop star and he was being, you know, 
a lawyer and she would show up to play the lawyer's wife at functions and things, you know, more so before Beverly Hills. Not I mean, after, come on. But- he never even went to a single book signing. He never went to see her in Chicago. Like you can tell the writing was on the wall that their yeah, marriage they had separate wasn't- lives. Yeah. Jen Shah and Coach Shah didn't have separate lives. Except, I mean, I don't know. Was was Coach Shah off doing his basketball thing because he wanted to get the fuck away from Jen Shah. I don't know, maybe, but let's just have some of the same energy. But again, these people, there's no consistency whatsoever. Like there's no logic to any of their behavior. These people are crazy. They are just basing it off the the personality of the person that they happen to like rather than the facts, rather than law. And it's, it's, it's a lot. And it is hard to sort of, to be someone like you or me, to yeah. say something really mundane on Twitter of like, hey, there's like a double standard here or like, you know, wait, why was Max Boyens fired? But like no one's angry at Jen Shah and then to like be called, you know, a racist in every vile name in the yeah. book. Max like, the, Boyens, the fandom yeah. is Max Boyens was fired for casually dropping the N-word back in what, and like he, 2012. I, I believe that Not it came that out about yeah. Max too, that he was actually like a third. I think he's like a third his, African. No, his, yeah, his grandfather was black. Yeah. That's yeah. what he ended up coming out saying, like, my grandfather's black, my mother's half black, I'm a quarter black. It's just, again, yeah, I, again, that that doesn't make any of the things that they've done or said right or wrong or whatever. Like, I mean, we're not trying to defend any of that stuff, but it's about having a consistent standard. And there isn't one, you know, there isn't. There's no consistent standard. And it's, you know, it's ridiculous at this point. There's no reason we should even be considering that Jen Shah might still be a good person. Like, if you're not going to give everybody else that same pass, then it's like you can't. And here's the thing. I was one of those dumb bitches that believed that, you know what? Actually, I think Jen Shaw is kind of likable this season. I actually think she is a nice person. I actually I didn't. Never. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. I did. And then, you know, and then Adam went and he interviewed her. And I was like, look, maybe, maybe she just didn't, you know, maybe she took like she just ran with it and she didn't really think that what she was doing was illegal but like she knew that it maybe wasn't a great thing but it wasn't like you know some people cheat on their taxes a little bit you know like maybe like you're writing on that line but then once all once the feds brought their case forward i'm like no this bitch knew what she was doing she knew and the thing is she lied to everybody's face. that's when I was like now I feel duped because I actually was like willing to give her be like no you know what you're right Meredith everyone does deserve their day in court it doesn't look good for her but everyone does deserve their day in court and then when the when the other shoe finally dropped I was like this bitch conned us all well my thing with Jen Shah is well yes everyone does of course innocent until proven guilty I agree with that sentiment but even if you took out the legal stuff, I still thought Jen Shah was despicable. Like, I think she's one of the worst housewives ever. I just think there's nothing oh, from like good a, about her. From a moral standpoint, yes. And it's yeah, more and than when- just, it's more than just like, I mean, yes, some people can make some racist comments, but like she fat shamed her own friends. She accused her friends of being racist towards her. Like the things that she did to the people in her life were vile. She was so unhinged and she didn't, she get physical. She got physical with, um, with Heather at one point and she was so just like out of control. And I always knew that, look, I had a, okay. If you remember when Salt Lake City was premiering, Jen Shah was already getting hyped up by the fans prior to the show. It's like, she's the new queen. We can't wait for Jen Shah. And what Jen Shah was doing, because I was one of these fans, she was 
messaging with all the Bravo fans prior to even the premiere and getting all of the fan accounts on her side to do memes and stuff. And then when the show came out and she was so unlikable and she still had all of these fans for a while. And I could see like, Oh wow. Like she's gone out of her way to kind of like manipulate the fan blogs and stuff. And I clocked it. Like that's the type of person that she is. And I was actually people to, I don't think people don't remember, but when Salt Lake city first premiered, first of all, a lot of people kind of didn't want to come out. And I mean, look, people have mixed opinions on Salt Lake city. I don't, think it's very good but a lot of people really wanted to like it and a lot of people wanted to like Jen Shah and then later on people sort of started attacking her but I and going oh my god this bitch just crazy but I was one of the first people to come out and go no she's horrible she's such a liar like she's so manipulative all of this money is fake she doesn't have this money she doesn't live here and stuff and then slowly the things started coming out of like oh wait she was wearing fake fake Fendi in this scene. Oh wait she rents the Shah chalet and just more and more and it's just been a snowball of stuff And my spidey sense was just tingling as soon as she came on. I'm just like, she doesn't have this money. She's so thirsty. She's so manipulative. And now it's like, look where we are. Um, I wasn't even, of course, I didn't predict that she was going to go down for running like a telemarketing scheme. But when it did come out, I was not shocked. I'm like, this actually checks out because how else would she get, you know, money? She's crazy. I mean, and here's the thing. I do think, and you're going to hate me for saying this, I do think that there's a human element to it of being like, you know what? She probably didn't come from much and she probably did want to provide a better life for herself and for her kids and for her family. And she probably, you know, did work really hard to get to herself to, to a certain point. But there is a certain point where you reach a certain level of success and you can choose to stay in this level of success or you can choose to break the law and continue to to provide great things for your family. When you break the law, whatever the intention may be, whether it was because you like your Gucci bags or you're trying to provide a better future for your children, whatever that is, breaking the law is still breaking the law. And she didn't just break the Again, this isn't just cheating on your taxes. She took advantage of vulnerable people, like willingly, knowingly, and like fully leaned into that. And did this there's for no, years. There's no human element. Okay, let me tell you. She's a, I think there's something wrong with her psychologically because this. she has some kind of like, it's either like a narcissistic personality disorder or something. I mean, we've seen her behavior on the show. Yes, I'm paying, playing um, chair psychologist, but her behavior on the show, first of all, is not that of someone that's of sound mind. Like it was completely like bipolar. It was crazy. Secondly, when you're running this whole fraud scheme and she was already being investigated before she went on Salt Lake City and you still choose to go on TV and still choose to make it public, there's something wrong with you. Like a normal person doesn't do that. Like that's some kind of like, I know know there's like a name for it. You know, the people that take extreme risks, there's something, some kind of psychological thing for that. Whoever, people listening that are into true crime and stuff will know what I'm talking about. And they'll be like, yes, that's what it is. There's something wrong with her. Um, the way she treats everybody in her life. I mean, she conned her own mother and she, yes, she knowingly went after these really vulnerable, vulnerable people just for her own glory. And even her hiring all her family and stuff, that wasn't like, oh, she's trying to like put it, you know, help her family. It's like, no, she's trying to keep the the con in the family. It's like a fucking mobster. You know, it's like, it's like fucking the Godfather. Like she's trying to keep it within her family and keep it behind those like that's why she's bringing them in because she can like trust them because they're cousins and then they're obviously like getting money and stuff there's nothing likable about her and when she is likable it's it's an act like she's she's putting on to manipulate people she's highly manipulative uh and the fact that she's been able to like trick 
I mean, she tricked Andy Cohen. I even feel like I, I go back and forth with Heather because it really it pisses me off how much Heather defends her. And, you know, Heather was one of my favourites. And then when I see Heather defend her, I go, fuck you, you know, like how can you even back her? But I've been friends with problematic people, people that are like, I've had friends that are, problematic friends i don't mean as in like saying offensive things but just kind of like psycho and they have like odd behavior and they're a lot but there's something like fun about being friends with them and also they are highly manipulative people so they're able to kind of rope you in and i do sort of feel like in some ways that heather was manipulated by jen shah and jen shah did play on you know though that softer side of heather um, now with Meredith, I don't have much sympathy for Meredith because I think Meredith knew exactly who Jen Shah was. And I think that Meredith I'm has sided curious. with her as like a, I, an alliance, a TV I'm alliance. very sort of curious thing. to see that relationship develop because I feel like Meredith is not as easy to manipulate as Heather is. I think Heather's a sweet girl and has a big heart and just wants to believe in the good in everybody, you know? And I think Jen Shaw was very good at taking advantage of people like that. Um, but like you said, like Jen Shaw's behavior was despicable. And here's the thing. People will be like, oh, you're going to call out Jen Shaw for throwing a glass at a party. What about Erica when she yelled at Sutton? What about Erica when she snapped at Eileen? But the difference is Jen Shaw snapped at the people she was close to. Jen Shaw snapped at the people that she claimed to have loved, like Heather calling her Shrek, like, you know, these women that she's claiming to be her friends, her friends. Erica never really claimed Eileen was her friend. So when Eileen brought up the possibility of her, her child dying, Erica was like, my son is a cop. So the reality of his him dying is something that I have to face every day. Or when it came to Sutton, Sutton was questioning her and, and whether or not she was telling the truth about her involvement with Tom's, you know, whatever. I think anybody, if they go back and watch last season of Real Houses of Beverly Hills, Erica Erica was pretty open and honest about her separation from Tom, about her divorce, about what she knew, what she didn't. Like, she sat and answered a lot of those questions last season, whether people want to give her the benefit of the doubt for that or not. She answered a lot more than Jen Shaw ever answered. Uh, I do I do think with Erica, she was friends with Eileen. She, she, look, she apologized. It was crazy. I think there was obviously other stuff going on with Erica in that scene. You know, I was a big Eileen fan, but she did sit down and she apologized to Eileen on camera. I remembered it. And... Jen Shah, I, I believe Jen Shah ended up apologizing to Heather at the reunion, maybe, but Jen Shah's behavior was just repeated, repeated. And there's like so many things. Like, I, I get why, look, I really like Erica's energy on the show because I feel like, um, I feel like for the most part, minus maybe the Eileen scene, that Erica tends to be on the defense. Like, I don't think Erica goes out of her way to, there's a thing on housewives where you try to set people up or ask like questions to like stir shit. Like a lot of them do that. Kyle does that. Rina Rina does does that. that. Garcelle certainly does that. Sutton does that. Erica has never done that to me, but it's like when you sort of poke at her or you try to do that to her, she will like rip your fucking head off. So I think she does it more of a a defense rather than an offense. But I, I, Jen Shah was like, I can't, I can't think of one nice thing to say about Jen Shah, honestly. (laughs) How long do you think she's going to get? Um, okay, so I've talked to several different like attorneys and legal experts about this. I have a guy on this week who's going to who specializes in white collar crime. He actually went to prison for white collar crime. Um, so he's going to talk more about that. But I mean, a lot of legal experts are anticipating that she's going to do some time like we're looking at maybe about 10 years. So she's looking at 11 to 14 years. 
in prison. Um, it's unlikely that sh- that's the maximum that she's going to get. Anything over 14 years, she can appeal and say is too harsh of a sentence, so she can try to, inf- to fight that. Um, but we're looking at between 11 to 14. I'm thinking she's probably going to end up with like eight to 10 years. Like she's going to serve some time. And so a lot of legal experts and analysts that I've talked to say that they think that she's definitely going to serve closer to 10 years because of the amount of restitution that she has to pay, which is $15.5 million, $15.5 million. So she has to pay $9.5 back in cash. And then there's $6 million that's been seized already by the feds in property that she owns. What that property is, I fucking want to know because she never owned a home or anything. So I want to know what she actually owns that warrants that type of money. But anyway, so they have $6 million or are going to keep up to $6 million of assets that they've already seized that she's already lost. So she's lost $6 million baseline and has another nine point five that she has to pay out. Um, again, these are all projections. We won't know until her November 29th hearing when we find out what the actual sentencing is and what the judge will order. But I predict she's probably going to be doing eight to 10 years. I have no idea how long she will do, but I just don't, I don't want her to come out of jail and then to like, I'd, I'm worried that it's going to be a, a short sentence. Like she's, it's, she's going to do like, you know, 18 months or two I years and she's going to, and she's going to be able to skip out of prison and then come back on Salt Lake City. And then people are going to go, well, she served her time. And then she's going to be able to benefit from all of this celebrity like Teresa did. Now, Teresa, I have no issue with Teresa, even though like, I think te- technically she did something wrong clearly, but I, she did not know what Joe was doing, in my opinion. No. She's an idiot. She was just signing things away. And I, as far as I understand, that was a victimless crime. It wasn't a crime of like, yeah, you know, just, going after people to scam them. defrauded banks and the government. This yeah. So I don't have a fucking issue with what Teresa did. And I'm not a Teresa fan at all, but I just don't want Jen Shah to be able to to come out and come back on TV. Now, like we were talking about the double standards before, hey, if we're holding everyone to the same standard and you weren't just firing people for like old tweets and stuff, sure, I'll be fine to, what. look, if you do your time, you do your time. But I, it's just the hypocrisy that is frustrating me too much with that. So, no, I do not want to fucking back on TV while, you know, X, Y, Z. I mean, half the cast of fucking Vanderpump Rules were like sacked, you know? Like, no, 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 I'm not into that. <laughs> I think at the best, best case scenario, good behavior and all, minimum four years. At the absolute best case scenario, minimum four years federal prison. Because look at what she did was worse than Joe Judice. Um, Teresa got 18 months, but Teresa was more of an accessory more than she was the actual mastermind behind all of this. Jen Shaw, they're accusing her, the feds are accusing her of being the mastermind behind this entire scheme. So she's more in the boat of Joe Judice rather than Teresa Judice. And Joe got what? Joe got four years and he got deported. So I think Mm. Erica, I mean, sorry, not Erica. I think Jen Shaw is more of in that same boat of where Joe was and what she did was a lot worse than Joe. Cause like you said, Joe's crimes were victimless. It was bank fraud. It was loaner fraud. It was, you know, not paying taxes, like that sort of stuff that like, he could just like pay that back. He did what three to four years. Like she's not doing She's doing at the bare minimum four years, absolute bare minimum. Do you think that, um, 
that Salt Lake City, okay, say she does four years bare minimum. Do you think Salt Lake City will still be on when she gets out? No, Housewives will be done by then. Housewives will be over by the time she gets out of prison. Housewives is cra- it's going down and it's it's burning. It's it's going down fast. I don't think no, I I disagree just because I think we're in an age now where there's so much there's so much content into there. There seems to be just an endless well of content, and people just want stuff to watch like. Everywhere. So I just feel like, look, as long as you can fill a schedule and like have something on air, like look how many 90 day fiance shows there are. Maybe they'll cut back on, you know, some of the housewife shows that aren't doing as well, but I think they're definitely going to keep it. I think it's such an iconic brand. Like look how long, like young and the restless and days of our lives and stuff have gone on. Even I could even see them say worst case scenario, they end up, you know, getting rid of some of the really big ones. They're either going to reboot them like they're doing with the housewives of New York, or they're just going to like bring along new cities. Like, you know, the real housewives of Nashville, and maybe it won't get that much viewers, but there's a lot of reality shows that stay on, you know, there's a lot of shows that stay on air for a long time that don't get that much viewers. And also the real housewives, because of the brand name, it does get licensed everywhere around the world and sold around the world. So it is like lucrative. So I do think it will be around as for, yeah. Will Salt Lake city stick around specifically. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, I I don't, I'm not a Salt Lake fan. When I say housewives is done in five years, I mean the height, like the height we've had the best we've ever had it there. Listen, Bravo is going to milk it for everything they can. And they'll keep it on air for another 11 years if they can keep it on air. But in terms of what it is and the cultural impact and like the level of, of um, significance it has, it's not like it's not like it's dying. Think of it. Like right now there aren't many, I don't get excited to watch the the other housewives shows. Like it's more background content for me, you know. Even Ultimate Girls Trip, which I think are great ways to to keep the longevity of it. But like even that is, I don't think we need an Ultimate Girls Trip four, five, six, seven, eight. You know what I mean? Like maybe do one of them once a year, kind of like I don't know. I just I feel like that model is growing so stale. It'll probably be around beyond the next four or five years. But I just think the luster that it has now is going to be gone and we're not going to be as interested and it's not going to be the anchor or the the breadwinner for Bravo the way it is now. Well, I think what happened with the franchise is it, you know, it had its heyday, like back in those sort of, you know, early seasons, early seasons of Beverly Hills, like of Atlanta, of New York, like that had a certain cultural peak then, which was huge. And then it really went downhill. And at, now I actually think it's in it. It's, there's a second wind, I think, due to streaming because a lot more people now have had access to it. And there are people coming in that like, they, they're not like us where we've watched like 10 years of this shit. Yeah. Like they're coming in new and they've been enticed by seeing the Jen Shah headlines, the Erica Jane headlines by having new franchises come along that they can start from the beginning without having to, uh, you know, have the weight of like, oh, well, I really want to watch, you know, the housewives of OC, but which season do I start? Cause there's 17 and I don't want to watch all of them. So I think we're in like a second wind of it. Now, as for Ultimate Girls Trip, um, you know, my hot take, unpopular take, which I got a lot of hate for on Twitter, is like I don't think that this um this ex-wives girls club is that good. I actually preferred season one. And you would you would think that I had tweeted a racial slur when I said <laughs> this. I didn't even tweet it on my timeline. I responded to someone else's tweet. Yeah. Um, uh, because they were complaining about the upcoming third season. And I said, I actually think this third season will surprise people. And I think it'll be better than season two. I think season two got a lot of hype and it's actually not that good. And season one is better. And then like 
the Bravo fans just delusional. Sw- like, you Insane. would think that, like, honestly, you would think I slapped their mother across the face. They yeah. were so offended by it. And I actually don't delete, like, Housewives tweets now if I'm getting trolled because, like, I don't care. But it was just so annoying that I actually ended up deleting it because I'm like, I can't have, I can't open Twitter and have people screaming at me about how bad my takes are because the Girls Trip Season 2 is the greatest show that's, like, ever been on Bravo. I mean, you said Dubai was the greatest show and now, like, no one's watching it. So we'll see how your opinions age, guys. (laughs) I will say Girls Trip this week was not a great episode. I did not really enjoy. The only thing I enjoyed from this week's episode, because I think they tried to forge the conversations that they had in season one. And what I loved about season one is we had a lot of these real moments with these women that really pulled back the fourth wall, pulled back the curtain and really led us into that world that we don't often get to see on Bravo. Right. And they tried to do that, but like, like they gave Frazier an opportunity to, uh, to talk about like what went down with her firing. And she totally dodged the question. And I love Phaedra. Love Phaedra. But this was her opportunity to clear up whatever she wanted to clear up. And she was like, there's two story, there's two sides to every story. And I'm not going to give you my side. Whatever. Um, the only I moment. I can't stand the Phaedra fans, by the way. That's why. Because I like they go, Phaedra. we want Phaedra back. And I'm like, Phaedra. I don't know if we need her yeah, back, just... but I like Phaedra. Yeah, she's funny on this. But okay, two things about Phaedra. First of all, you've had all these years to tell your side of the story. You never have. So that believes me to think that there is no two sides to the story that you were just a scumbag that made up that Candy was a rapist because you've had this amount of time Time. to tell your side on so many avenues. You were on marriage boot camp. You've done all, you know, you've got a big fan base. So you've never told your side. So there are no two sides. And secondly, yes, she's hilarious on girls trip. She's working on girls trip. If you put her on, um, because people go bring her back to Atlanta. It's like, No, because she actually never opens up about her private life. She lies. Everything she does, it's funny, but it's just shtick. Like it's just all shticky facial expressions and GIF reactions. And it works as like a friend of the show or like on a girl's trip type thing. But like you don't want to watch that on a season because on a season you want someone that's going to be open about their life and let you into what's going on. Like how, how, I mean, how long can it last her just pulling facial reactions to get a GIF on Twitter? Like it's going to wear thin. So that's my Phaedra take. Sorry, I just had to chime in with that. <laughs> no, I, I'm enjoying her on Ultimate Girls Trip. I'm enjoying Ultimate Girls Trip. I think I don't compare season one to season two because I think they're two completely different shows. I loved season one and I am enjoying season two. Um, I thought I was, I mean, I don't know. I feel like my expectation of season two is still pretty on par. I feel like some people really hyped it up and maybe they're hyping it up more than it actually is. But I feel like my my take on season two is like, I'm enjoying it. I like it. I think it's great. I wouldn't say it's better or worse than season one because it's a completely different show to me. You're taking these, oh, these all-star OGs and taking them to an island to go on vacation and party. And it's a very different type of show than bringing a bunch of, you know the chaotic housewives and putting them in a house together you know it's different um so i don't that's a good point i don't i don't compare the two um i don't think season two is better than season one and i don't think season one is better than season two now when it comes to season three i actually agree with you in the sense that i really think that people are going to be pleasantly surprised i at first my initial reaction was this this cast is trash it's awful it's horrible it's not going to be good but then when you really think about it you're like okay well where do we place everybody who's actually going to fill what pieces who's actually going to do what we have 
have Marisol, who's great at stirring the pot. We have Alexia that gives so much and is really a heart of, you know, an anchor heart on any sort of show. You have, who else? We have Heather Gay, who's fun, and the party girl. She does woo, and she flashes her tits yep. like we saw in season one. Um, you have Whitney that's also a potster. As much as people love to hate on Whitney, and I've gone back and forth between loving and hating Whitney, she is very much like Marisol, a potster and drives the storylines forward. Who else do we have? We have- Well, that's um, going to be, i got to say, having Marisol and Whitney as these- super like and I mean Giselle they are also messy potsters and yeah. then you've got Candace from Potomac and Leah from Roni in the I mix see. who are very reactive personalities so that's actually going to be like that's going to be really funny and I think those fights are going to be okay I've got to say the see one reason I really don't like season two I mean, sorry, I do like season two, actually. I'm only, I'm pushing back because the fan hype is so extreme yes. around it, okay? I think it's fine. I enjoy watching it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, this is the worst thing ever. But one thing that I really dislike about it is a lot of the brand, the, a lot of the drama is coming from Brandy and Dorinda. And it's just, the alcoholism makes me depressed because I think Brandy turns into such a, she's so likable when she's sober and she's actually really perceptive and really funny and she can still bring the drama and, you know, the sexiness and everything when she's sober and when she gets drunk, she's so sloppy and kind of gross. And then Dorinda is so negative and it's just kind of like two alcoholics screaming at each other every episode, which I find kind of dark to watch. I find it depressing in Brandy's case. Cause I'm like, you, I feel like you're not living to your potential. Like you should be sober. And I think you would have a better life for it. As for Dorinda, uh, I just don't like watching Dorinda drunk or sober. But I think with this season three, I just think because you don't have like these alcoholics in the mix, I think the drama will be, you know, I really liked the drama in season one between Ramona and Kenya because it was so random. It was like two big personalities, but very kind of unexpected. You wouldn't expect to see them in the same room feuding together. And I think we're going to get some of that kind of energy from season three. And I think it's going to end up being actually really funny and entertaining. I think that, the haters on Twitter are going to be like eating their words. I think so too. I actually think it's going to be a good season. Um, you're right. We don't have that dark alcoholic element to it that I think we definitely have this season. Like this season, the shots are low. Dead husbands, dead children. Mm. Like the shots are just so low. <laughs> I think, listen, I think Giselle will be a good, she's going to be the narrator, right? She's going to be the oh, one, yeah. the Phaedra that gives us the funny interview bites. Giselle's going to carry that. She's going to be shady. She's going to be funny. She's going to be great at that. Candace and Leah are probably going to be anchors of the drama in terms of like feisty, reactive, whatever. Marisol and Whitney are going to stir the shit out of the pot. Heather's going to keep it light. Alexia's going to probably be a little more motherly and kind of I mean, if anything, I can see Alexia maybe being overshadowed. Now we have Portia in the mix because now we know Tinsley's pulled out um, and Portia's now coming in. I personally think they were always trying to negotiate a deal with Portia. Maybe she was kind of holding out to the last minute. And once they were able to confirm Portia, they cut Tinsley. A lot of people are saying it's because Tinsley's doing um, the leg the New York legacy show, which is not true because Sonia and uh, Luann are currently taping their spinoff series right now, um, which is more of like a simple lifestyle show with, with Luann and Sonia. They're filming that right now, which will probably happen for at least another two to three weeks. If that, so, so 
they don't need to pull Tinsley because Ultimate Girls Trip only films for one week. So they're not pulling her to do Legacy because they're not currently filming Legacy. Legacy is not in production. Um, so those rumors are, are trash. But I honestly think either Tinsley got cut by production because they were really trying to bring in Portia or Portia was kind of always on the back burner, was asking for a lot of money that they weren't really willing to do. And once Tinsley pulled out, they could afford Portia to come in and replace her. Well, I think Portia's great casting, you know, and I think that, you know, Portia has two sides. She's either really fun and hilarious or she is just like a lying, like just backstabbing, like very fake. And the thing is that because of the the nature of what the girls trip is, we're going to see the fun Portia because it's not like on Atlanta where she's going to be like hiding that she slept with Bolo or like, you know, hiding things about her life. We're going to get the funny Portia, the great confessionals, the partying. I think her and Heather Gay, I hope they're like party pals together. I think that'll be like really hilarious. I do think that if I could change one thing about the cast, cause I'm actually pretty happy with that cast. I would remove Alexia and I think I would replace her with, um, God, who would I replace? I would, you know, who I would replace her with? I would replace her with Sutton <laughs> because <laughs> I think that Sutton would, I think they would torment Sutton. I think that it would be so funny. I think like Leah and Candace and stuff would give Sutton a hell of a ride. I think Sutton would be like breaking down and having, and we would see more of, look, I think, they're really kind to Sutton in the editing room on Beverly Hills. And I think that would add a certain level of drama and like ridiculousness putting Sutton in there. And Sutton I think is around the same age as Alexia. So I would swap Alexia for Sutton. And then I think we would have like a killer cast. That would be interesting. I think, yeah, of all of the players on the table right now, I think Alexia is the weakest link. I love Alexia. Mm -hmm. And on Miami, I think Alexia is the queen of Miami um, Me too. But in this sense, I think she's the weakest link on the show. You know, I don't think she can. She's so honest and so vulnerable and so open with her life. And that's why she works on Miami. She's exactly. not a pot stir. She's not a story driver. She's not, you know, a villain. She's not any of those things. You know, whereas at least Kyle, like Kyle's a little more vanilla, but Kyle at least knows how to move the storylines forward. I don't think Alexia is very good at that. Marisol is great at that. The fact that Marisol doesn't even have a mojito on Miami, I think is wild to me. I get why Adriana doesn't. Like Adriana is a little more feisty. She's a little more of a Brandy Glanville. She worked back in the day. I don't know if she needs to get the mojito now. She can be a friend of and still like, hold that Kim D role. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree about Alexia. Like why Alexia is so compelling is her personal story on Miami. And I love her on Miami, but I don't think that she's, I don't think she's girls trip materials. So um, yeah, I would swap her out. But it doesn't even have to be Sutton. It could be Shannon. It could, it could be anyone, honestly. But I just think that's the one. I would love but to see I think see everyone Sutton. else is good After casting. Hearing I thought Tinsley was good casting too before Tinsley got taken out. I love watching Tinsley. So I think that we're going to be pleasantly surprised by that one. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to how season two will, will age. We'll see. I actually think season three will be good. I don't know if I'm immediately rushing for a season four though. I think we need to, I think we need to pace ourselves 
and navigate expectations because I think people are like, give me season three and four and five and like, let's, you know, bang it out. And it's like, we need to pace ourselves, you know, because there are only so many great housewives and so many great casts that we can put together that'll actually be fun and entertaining that like, I don't know. It's true. I, I made up like a, I, I've been thinking of like my my fantasy cast and like different people. And there's like so many people that I do want to see, but it's so true that like I was trying to come up with like what cast what I want to see. And I'm like, God, so many of them have like already been cast across the first yeah. three seasons. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to blow your load too soon. Like you want to like keep, like you want to like savor some of this and like we don't need to do bit. it all yeah. now. But like, the, yeah, they have a lot of great people to choose from who, to put on. I think. If you could have an ideal season four cast, who would it be? Okay. I was like thinking about this a lot. Like, okay, I'm really obsessive with these things. I don't know if you're like this. Like, even if you buy something online, right, do you have to, like, go through and read all of the reviews and, like, compare other similar products? Like, do you have trouble making a decision? (laughs) Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. And I have to really make sure if I'm going to make that commitment, I look at all the information. I was like... Who will work well together? Like, well, you know, and then there were people that I wanted. I'm like, well, I'd love Carol Radziwill, but she can't do it because she's sort of been on her anti-Bravo tour of like Bravo's <laughs> sort of misogynistic and I'm never going back. So I'm like, well, we can't get her. And then we can't get Nini because of obvious reasons. We can't have Nini. I'm like, I want Marlo. But then I'm like, Marlo's like maybe like too messy, you know, like she's like too, she's like, she may be too much. So my cast that I have is... Yeah. Kim Zolciak. Okay. I want Kim Zolciak back on TV. And I'm curious to see how Kim Zolciak, Kim Zolciak could really do well on a girl's trip, like in terms of drama, or she could really flop because we know that Kim Zolciak likes to do what she wants to do. And she doesn't like, you know, she wants Croy waiting outside in the car to take her away and stuff. So if you like isolate her on a trip, like that would be interesting. And I want her with Sheree um, because I really liked their friendship together. And I think Sheree, knows how to produce a scene and she's going to make sure things aren't boring. And they actually have some issues together. Cause I don't know if you know this, but on the season finale of this current season of Atlanta, which we're going to see the she by Sheree show Kim Zolciak was meant to appear and she just did like a no show. She just didn't show up. And Sheree's like, how could you not support me when I've supported you all this time? So they could talk about that. Um, I want Karen Huger yes. because Karen is just like everything. I want Lisa Vanderpump and I'm not a Lisa Vanderpump fan, but I, Um, you know, I was a big Lisa Vanderpump hater on Beverly Hills, but I think she would work really well on a girl's trip. As long as the thing with Lisa Vanderpump is you couldn't really put anyone else from Beverly Hills on with her because she's like fallen out with like, like, you know, pretty much every single person (laughs) on there. It'll be too much. I want Kelly Dodd. Um, just for obvious reasons, like just the drama. I want Margaret Josephs. And the last two people that I want on is I want, I don't know who, but I want some combination of two women from Dallas. I don't know who it would be because I think Dallas actually, um, the show wasn't that good, Dallas. Like it had one really good season, which was season two. And then some, but it wasn't really like the women themselves individually brought a lot to the show and were great. But I just feel like maybe it was with storylines or something. They couldn't get it to like work. But I think they had 
a lot of like all even like Tiffany Moon who only did one season. I'll be happy to watch Tiffany Moon again, like Tiffany and Deandra because they were friends. Brandy and Leanne because Leanne and Brandy have made up. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. they're friends now. And if anyone knows how to make drama, it's like Brandy and, Brandy and Leanne. I think Stephanie's really funny. I think like Cameron's good TV. So any combination of two Dallas women I would want. So that is my cast. That is an interesting cast. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> it's a little all over the place. <laughs> it's a little like chaotic, but I, I like the randomness because even season one, like, I think people, like, I know people were mad about season one. They were like, why is Cynthia and Melissa here? Like, they're so boring. And then, like, Cynthia ended up being the most dramatic one. Like, Cynthia was, well, like, a lot of the drama. The ones- it was kind of interesting because it was, yes. you didn't, never saw that side of Cynthia on Atlanta before. Like, it was a whole different Cynthia. And then we watched, like, the demise of her friendship with um, Kenya. With Kenya. And, like, I found that, like, really compelling. So, you know, I, I thought, like to keep it. I thought weird. Cynthia, yeah, I thought it, it, brings out a different side of them right because even season two with eva eva is shining this season versus her on atlanta like she just you know it's a different environment and and now and and here's where we understand where the producers were coming from in casting these women on these shows because now we're actually seeing them in a different element where we can see the greatness that the producers saw in them and why they chose to put them on the show whether they worked or didn't work you know we're getting to see this other side of them okay are you ready for my season four? Yes. Callie Dodd, which of course obvious. Margaret Josephs, which obvious. So we both had Kelly and Margaret. We both, and those are the only two we have in common. Um, Lisa Rinna and Erica Jane from from Beverly Hills. Claudia Jordan from Atlanta. Monique Love Claudia. Monique Samuels from Potomac. Ashley Darby from Potomac, and possibly Emily from OC. Oh, I like that because I'm a big Emily fan. I think Emily's very, and I actually, I considered Emily for my cast. I was like, hmm. And, you know, I could handle swapping out some of the girls on mine because I was actually, I didn't want too many big personalities on my dream cast. At the end, I'm like, oh, I actually have a lot of like big, and I actually don't, I don't, didn't want to repeat season two when I ended up with that. But I think Emily would be really good on Girls Trip. Um, Rina and Erica, I think, would be, with Erica though, we have to get. It's got to be the drunk Erica that we're seeing. We now. will. It can't be Listen, old school Erica. No, it won't be old school. It it has mm-hmm. to be drunk Erica. And so, so obviously, every scene has a theme, right? Season one was like OG All Stars. Season two was Outcast. Season three is more of like these dynamic duos that they're bringing Heather and Whitney, um, Tinsley and and Leah, Marisol and Alexi. Obviously, things have shifted now that Tinsley's out and Porsche's in, whatever. But there's at least some sort of cohesion. So this would be like the pot stir season. Kelly Dodd, very much a pot stir. Margaret Josephs, people love to hate her, but she's the pot stir that keeps it all going. Lisa Renna, a pot stir. I wouldn't consider Erica a pot stir, but she's a good sidekick for Lisa so that the duo comes in. And I think they could be fun. Lisa Renna can get, you know, a little litty city. She can do the dancing. Erica can get drunk and be fun. We have Claudia Jordan that I think is very unafraid to get in the mix. And I don't think we really got a chance to really see her full potential. Monique Samuels, I would say aside from 
from Karen Huger, like one of the greats on Potomac. Like I love, like Monique gave us everything in the short amount of time that we had her on Potomac. I think Monique was great. And I would have loved her. She was supposed to originally be in season two and then she was replaced with Eva. I think we need to bring Monique in. And Ashley Darby, I think Monique and Ashley have a great friendship. And Ashley's also a bit of a pot stir and she's unafraid to throw herself in too. And Emily's fun. Give Emily some tequila shots with Erica Jane and like what a a comedic duo we could have. Well, people have been complaining a lot about, you know, Eric, uh, Emily and Gina on OC and they're like, oh, they ruined the show. And I'm like, I really disagree. Like, I think what ruined OC was just that Bravo can't stick with the cast. And it's not that they're the problem. Yeah. It's that they always like fire people and bring new people in. And then the chemistry always has to reset. Like Gina and Emily do a good job individually on that show. And I totally agree about Monique. That's the one thing that I would have changed about ex-wives club look eva has been easily one of the best parts of ex-wives club like funnily enough for me ex-wives club the people that i didn't care that much about like taylor and eva are like kind of like the best ones on there and then the people that i was really excited for have not been like what i wanted but i don't like eva's casting in season two just for the fact that everyone on there is like an all-star except Eva. Like when they, they did a flashback where they're all talking about their favorite moments on their seasons. And Eva had like two moments and they flashed back to them. And I'm like, I don't remember this. Like I, nothing about her tenure on the show. I remember. And I really think that Monique, cause Monique is on that level of those other girls. Monique is like iconic after her feud with Candace. I really wish we'd had Monique instead. And then I think that Eva would have been better for the season three because it's a little bit more like random and all over the place. And Eva obviously is actually good on these shows. So Eva could have shown us all what she has to offer on season three, but whatever, that's a hypothetical. And I do think Claudia Jordan needs to be, I mean, I think Bravo really needs to work with Claudia Jordan again. I was surprised that they never put her on Dallas because I believe that she did do a test filming at one point uh, for Dallas and nothing came out of it. Cause she moved, she moved to Dallas for her like radio career or something. And um, yeah, I would love to see, Claudia but I think there's more with Claudia and Tiffany Moon like I think that they're both I think they're both good talent and they've only had one season I think Bravo should like find something to do with both of them the hard thing is you can't judge a housewife based off of one season like you need judge them after their third season Give them Mm. a season one, give them a season two, because season two is when they really find their footing. Season one is when they're like, holy shit, I'm thrown into the waters. Let me figure this out. Season two is where they make all the mistakes because they think they figured it out. That season three is when we get a full, good, well-rounded housewife. I think that's the sweet spot. Um, but no, I think I'm I'm very happy with my cast. I think Kelly Dodd would bring the heat. I think Erica and Emily would bring the fun. I think Claudia could also bring some drama. Monique, I I think Monique is such a stellar housewife, and I hate that Bravo let her go. Honestly, I know. I also think that and Monique in my- season two, Monique would have annihilated Dorinda. There would have been no, like Monique would have come for Dorinda and checked her in a way that like Dorinda needs to be checked. Well, you know, Monique, actually, one of her seasons, she was like drinking a little too much and getting a little uh a little too Liddy City. And that's when she put the the umbrella at Robin's neck. And I wonder <laughs> if like Monique would have gotten in on the alcoholism and being like another 
Brandy Dorinda type on that season. That would have been really interesting. I think she would have checked Dorinda. And I think somebody needs to like straight up check Dorinda. I think Brandy's the only one brave enough to stand up to Dorinda. But I don't think Brandy has the cadence or the ability to like do a solid check. Brandy's a little well, if too... If she's sober, she does. Not when she's yeah. sloppy drunk and yes. she's like lifting her dress up and slurring and like all over the place. Yes. And I don't think Brandy is capable of doing it in a sober way. I think Monique drunk or or sober, Monique can handle it. Monique could have handled Dorinda and I wish we would have had that. Because Dorinda needs, and when Dorinda gets checked, like Dorinda, I think can actually, Dorinda thinks she's a big dog and she has a big bark. But if there's a bigger dog that comes in and barks even louder, Dorinda knows when to buck down. Dorinda is so unlikable, like sober or or drunk. Like she's I know, she wakes terrible. up in the morning and she's such a bitch. She's horrible. She's just, she's unpleasant to watch because when she's sober, she's just this sort of like long-winded old grandma that's like, you know, dotting around and just loves the sound of her own voice. I cannot stand her. And it was a big, it was a big mistake to me. And I know some of the women told me this behind the scenes that they just felt like there was such a power dynamic of having Dorinda, have it be Dorinda's house because it automatically some of us were a bit scared to check Dorinda because we're in her house and it made it feel kind of awkward. And we feel like they shouldn't have set the whole show here. And yeah, I, I agree. And I don't like how much that's one of the flaws with season two, I think is that there's so much fucking screen time from Dorinda and so much drama from Dorinda. And she's so awful to watch that it's a bit like, "Mm, I don't like that. Like the stuff that I've liked the most, and this sounds like corny, but I've just liked all the bonding moments. I loved with uh, Eva and Taylor bonding. Like I love when they talk about their experiences and what was, I liked when they talked about what their favorite moment on the show was and, you know, what was it like being fired? Like I like all those real conversations and the bonding. Like I don't like the, the alcoholic fights. Like, yeah, I just, I just don't, I'm not enjoying it. And there's no real build to them either. Like, listen, I think just, you, you can do one or two good alcoholic fights, but yeah, to be consistent, every episode, yeah, no. it's, and here's the hard thing is we are trying to fit an entire season that's being filmed in eight days, you know? And when you're trying yeah. to cram all of that, in, like, I didn't really love this week's episode. I was like, this is probably the weakest episode we've seen so far. Um, because it's like, I don't know. It just, it does, it, it didn't bring much for me. It didn't have, it didn't hit the beats that I think season one did when they talked about being a housewife and behind the scenes and all that stuff that I think they tried to really push forward. I think had Phaedra been willing to open up about, you know, her time leaving the show, I think there was potential. I don't think they executed it though. Um, I'm curious to see, because we have what, two episodes left. Curious to see what they do with those last two episodes. God, is there two episodes left, really? God, I feel like they should have just wrapped it up on that one, you know, because they were all getting along at the end of it. And I'm I like, think oh, we could have nice. done like, one more after on that. that one, but we have two more. We have seven and eight. Oh, God. Okay, wow. They're stretching that one out. <laughs> last thing I want to talk to you about. Well, that's what they did with last season, right? It was like seven, eight episodes. Um, last thing is Jill and Tamara. Jill Zarin... <laughs> Jill Zarin went on her Instagram live and was like, hey, guys, so isn't it so crazy? This was just breaking news. This was just confirmed last night. I just found out that Vicky got the call last night from Bravo that she's not coming back. But Tamara's coming back. 
Vicky's not coming back. Can you believe that? Breaking news. Tamara's coming back and Vicky's not. I just got off the phone with her last night. Like totally confirmed that she received this information firsthand. Revealed it on her Instagram live. Tamara's then like, what the actual fuck? Tamara's like, you like this was a big announcement. They were probably going to make it like a Heather Dubrow announcement when they announced Heather was returning. And Vicky, or sorry, uh, Jill straight up just revealed it on her Instagram story. Tamara then not only tweeted like, fuck you, you're so thirsty, Jill's Aaron, but she also did an Instagram story calling her the thirstiest bitch ever. What was your reaction to all this? And then Jill then went and did another video on her Instagram. And it's like, listen, I said breaking news, but that didn't mean anything. I read it on the internet. I read it on the blogs that Tamara wasn't coming back or that Tamara was coming back and Vicky wasn't coming back. I read it online. I didn't think that this was, you know, privileged information. I don't have any insider information. Well, at first, I mean, I knew about, um, I knew about the news of Tamara's return for a while. And same. When Jill came out and blab, I mean, and everyone was like guessing anyway. Um, I don't think Jill is a malicious person. I've actually really liked watching her on Girls Trip because you see like, yeah, she's fucking annoying. Like she'd be a pain in the ass to be around, but like she doesn't try to hurt people. Nothing she's doing is coming from a vindictive place. So, you know, I think it was just, you know, I feel like it was an accident of her blabbing that and she was getting excited. So I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, that's just Jill. I'm sure like Vicky was on the phone to her and told her. And then she said it, but I heard that there's like more to the story and it might be coming out on two T's like that may have been like planned or something. I don't know. So apparently there's going to be more to the story on two T's in a pod. So stay tuned for that. Like did Jill plan to reveal it. Yeah. Or maybe like Vicky had something to do with it. I don't know. It's something like, I would something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Vicky and Tamara are beefing because Tamara's agreed to come back. The same reason they were Trace Amigas until Shannon agreed to come back because she was offered a contract and that ruined their friendship. I wouldn't be surprised if this ruins Vicky's friendship with Tamara. And there was some. I don't think I don't think Vicky's happy. And I get where Vicky's coming from, but I think Vicky, if there's an offer on the table for like guest spots or friend spot or whatever, take it, have fun with it. Get what you can out of it. Why not? And Like, literally, I think after that much time on the show, the best position to have is a friend of position. Because, like, you don't get, you don't have to expose everything anymore. You can come in, you can stir the pot, you can have a little fun, you can do your thing, you can dip in and out without having to give as much as you typically have to give. I completely agree. I mean, I think there's so many benefits to being a friend on the show. So I feel like... If there is an offer for Vicky to do something like that, she should get over her ego and just do it and enjoy the benefits of the platform. And who knows, maybe you'll be so good that they will upgrade you, you know, but it's still good to be a friend. You get the benefits of like the TV time. Like, no, you're not getting the same amount of money. That sucks. But you also don't have to expose everything about your life and like ruin your relationship and and all of that. So Girl, just do it. Stay in the Bravo universe. Keep making, you know, paid appearances at, you know, various places. Enjoy it for what it is. You had a good run. It's better to be on TV than not. You have the exposure. You have the relevance. And even when you're a friend of, you can come and be comic relief. You can be fun. You can give cute interview bites. Like, you can stir the pot. Like, you can do so much more without having the heat of it all. Um, I think the only time that it's, I think the only time that it's bad to be a friend is when it's like a flop season 
and they brought you in just to be the drama, but then you're not getting the check. You're not getting all of the same airtime as everyone else. Like you're not getting the respect of the yeah. full-time status. So it's a bit like, okay, so I've let Randy you wheel me in for like two bucks yeah. to cause all the drama and give everybody a fucking storyline for what? But, you know, you've just got to like play it by ear. Like Vicky doesn't have to come in and like be the whole drama, you know? So she, she should just, just see how it goes. Yeah, she can just do some fun, cute scenes. No, that that's yeah. like Brandy and Denise. Brandy carried that season, made it great, you know, and they totally used her for that. And Brandy will never be full time again because of her drinking, honestly. And I love Brandy. Like, I, I think it's just love her drinking. Brandy. But when she came back on Beverly Hills for the Denise season, and there was that scene at the party where she was oh, so drunk yeah. and she fell over on stage and her legs went up in the air and her ass was out. And I'm like, you can't even stay sober for one part. And it was like a classy party too. And it's like, you're literally falling on the floor and then seeing her, how drunk she's been on girls trip and just the change in her personality. I'm like, you will never, you'll never be back on this show behaving like this because you haven't evolved. You know, I think sober, look, sometimes in Housewives get sober, it's boring. I would like to see Brandy Glanville, after rehab and sobriety because she can still deliver so much like sober and then i think like she could come back on beverly hills like the new and improved brandy no, but I, think, I don't think there's a spot for her to come back and just be like drunk and fall over everywhere again i think the thing with brandy is she's at the beginning we wanted to watch brandy because we wanted that redemption story for her right there was eddie and she was rebuilding her life after that because he left her for leanne um but the thing with beverly hills is the show's evolved so much into the glitz and the glam and the fashion and brandy can't compete with that and it's obvious that she can't compete with that and she's so she's not even willing to delete it at the beginning and like put up this facade like she literally cannot compete with that and she's very clear that like she needs the housewives paycheck and nobody wants to watch a real housewife of beverly hills that can't pay her bills Mm, i know it's sad because i i think there could be i think if she like change some of her behavior and stuff. There could be a spot for her. as like maybe a permanent friend, like something like maybe, that. There yeah. could be a place for her, but I just feel like where she is in her life right now, there isn't. And she no. is great TV and she's been great TV more so sober in my opinion on girls trip. But yeah, it just, it just depresses me a bit because it's like looking at someone that, you know, has like so much great potential, potential and yeah. they're sort of ruining it for themselves and you don't want to see it, but yeah. I agree. Jacques Peterson, host of the unpopular podcast with Jacques Peterson. Pimp yourself out. Where can people go to keep up with you? Uh, search my podcast, Unpopular with Jacques Peterson. Uh, you can find the link on my social media. So at Unpopular JP on Twitter and Instagram, or just hit Google. I cover a lot of topics, obviously a lot of Bravo, a lot of unpopular opinions. I cover other shows and just things that are on my mind. Whatever I want to rant about, I talk about. Um, the last episode, I just had the YouTuber Shane Dawson on. That was like really fun because wow. he was basically like the biggest... It was like the biggest thing on YouTube and then he had like the biggest cancellation ever on YouTube and now he's kind of like back. So I had him on and that was like really interesting and I had like different kinds of guests and Zach comes on to give his unpopular opinions on the housewives and we always get into it. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, Please subscribe and, you know, check me out if you liked me here. And if you hate me, 
just leave me alone. Don't troll me. Don't leave me a bad review. Just like fuck off. Like just leave me in peace and zen and stop trolling Zach too. Bye. Listen, they're not going <laughs> to stop trolling me. And you know that we've had conversations about, I don't even have to be as controversial as you are to just get trolled at, you know, the utmost level. Um, like Jeff Epstein doesn't even get the shit that, and Jeff is so like unapologetic and like totally who he is. It's so wild well, to me. That's the thing. Like I was saying to you, I'm like, you eat there's a certain like sweet spot of when you get the most trolling and it's when so if you're playing it super nice and like you're you know you're super safe like some of the podcasters out there they don't get trolled much if you go like me and jeff epstein if you're like full kelly dodd people are just like <laughs> well we expect that from them anyway so you know we're not gonna come after them but then when you're in like the middle part where you are where you're like still mainstream but you're not like following every like mainstream opinion that everyone has and you still will go against the grain sometimes that's when you get the maximum trolling so you're kind of in like the worst spot i'm very happy to have <laughs> now crossed over into like kelly dodd territory where um you know people kind of just are like well, we expect that from him so you know they leave yeah they know they're like now, and i'm like thank god yeah they're like jeff and jog we know what to get they're probably they're you know I'm, I just, I literally am like, Jock and Jeff are so much more like controversial than I am. That how do I sit here getting this annihilation? Um, I'm, <laughs> listen, I, I, I said, I sometimes I wake up and I choose love and light. And sometimes I wake up and I choose love and light the bitches on fire. You know, lately I've been willing to burn them all to the fucking ground. Hey, you've got to do it sometimes. <laughs> Guys, listen to Unpopular with Jock Peterson. It's available on all podcast platforms. Go and listen on Spotify. Listen on Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave him a good five-star review because they really do matter and they mean a lot to us. So if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, go and give me a nice five-star review because I love that. If you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to hit that bell notification button. That way you get the tea spilled fresh in your notifications every time it's ready to be spilled. Give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach. And be sure be sure to get some No Filter wine at nofilterwine.com. It's about to be a litty city summer, so go stock up on some fizzy housewives-inspired wine tonight. Nofilterwine.com. All right. Love you. Mean it. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.